Greetings with Clippers everywhere and welcome back to E-Train Talks. I'm E-Train, a 12-year-old literacy advocate, podcast host, and booktuber. Here on E-Train Talks, I try to shine a light on all things books in the hopes of inspiring others to love reading as much as I do. And my author guest today is a creator of incredible worlds, a wonderful, 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 and truly just amazing reading escape. My guest today is a master of helping kids escape into stories, and I'm excited to talk with today's guest for a number of reasons, one of which is that his newest middle grade book, Spellbinders, the not-so-chosen one, 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 (laughs) is a work of incredibly epic, entertaining, and everything that I love in middle grade put together. There are meaningful themes, but there's also a ton of action that's sure to keep you on the edge of your seat. So another reason that I'm really grateful to be talking with this author today is because he's been a great supporter of my book journey as well, and that means the world to me. So in case you haven't guessed it by the title of his book, I'm talking to the one, the only, Andrew Ozzion. Thank you so much for being here today, Andrew. Thank you, E-Train. That was the best intro I've ever gotten. And uh-huh. and I wanted to say, since you you were you so graciously thanked me for being a supporter of yours, um, you have been such an amazing supporter of mine. I we're gonna talk about it a little bit later, but I, I haven't my publishing journey, I took a little detour from it for a while and I'm coming back with this book. And uh, it's a little intimidating and scary to yes. jump back into the book world of 2023. And you've just been a wonderful voice. For not only my book, obviously, and my my uh, my series, but also so many different authors and just literacy in general and middle grade books and uh, just endorsing uh, reading as something that, that that everybody should be doing, but especially kids. So it's uh, mm-hmm. you're, you're such an inspiration to so many of us. So thank you for bringing me on today. Oh, thank you so much. And I'm really glad that we were able to find a time and a day and get this interview going because I'm so excited to ask you my questions and for everybody to hear your excellent answers so let's get started all right i'm ready all right so my first question is actually a take on a question you answered in a different interview in a past interview someone asked you to describe spellbinders the not so chosen one in just one sentence and your Mm -hmm. answer was pretty amazing you said and i quote what if all your wildest dreams came true and made everything in your life more complicated To everyone listening, I'm sure, like me, this sounds like a pretty interesting read, right? I mean, not just interesting, it sounds awesome. And I know from reading this book, it has lived up to that elevator pitch times 1000. I loved Spellbinders and Not So Chosen One. And I guess my question is, will you expand on the answer that you gave the previous interviewee or interviewer? Mm-hmm. And share a bit more about your new story, Spellbinders, the Not So Chosen One, in I guess a bit more than one sentence. Sure. Yeah, that was a hard question to answer in one sentence. Um, and uh, hearing you repeat it back to me, I'm like, oh, that wasn't such a bad answer. That was okay. Um, I think for me, it came about first of all because I was somebody who who, um, and I still do this. I'm still someone who does this, and I think it's it is healthy. Um, you know, when when real life gets difficult when um, your own uh, everyday life seems like, whether it's um, sort of um, boring or repetitive 
or if there are hard things going on in your life, I think it's very natural for us to escape into, into whether it's other worlds or, or an app, a puzzle app on your phone or the movies. It's just, it's easy to kind of leave all your, your troubles at the door, right? And, and, and put on headphones and listen to an album or something. And um, the thing that, so that was something I always did. And, and I always kind of asked that question of like, you know, are these places we go, are they always free from that kind of baggage? Like if you're just listening to an album, that's one thing. But if you're going into a world where you think it's all going to be better and it's a real world with real people, like that, that kind of escapism isn't going to turn out the way you think it's going to turn mm. out. Um, and the other reason I, I thought about that was just, it's so easy now for people. And I think, especially if you're for kids, but you know, in no way only young people to distract ourselves with things that take us away from what's going on around us. And for Ben, the, the hero of this story, he uses games and sort of the conjured uh, fictional worlds um, and all of their little details and their expansive epic things to kind of say, oh, well, life would be so much better if I was there instead of here. Yeah. Um, and, to, and to challenge that idea, right? So to say, oh, well, if you want to be a hero of a story, being a hero is a big responsibility, you know, in the real mm -hmm. world and in our world. And so I wanted to, to test that idea. And then I also knew that there would be a lot of humor and fun in taking two different points of view, which is the two characters you can see behind me, which is Ben and Niara, um, from these two different worlds. Uh, ben seen escaping into Niara's very real fantasy world as being sort of an escape where it's all going to be easier. And then her, um, where her world is in peril, and she's looking for someone to take it very seriously, the two of them clashing and that that kind of conflict and misunderstanding provides a lot of the humor in the book too. So I knew that would be a funny uh, setup for a lot of those jokes and things. Absolutely. And that first scene where Ben is kind of talking to Niara and Niara is kind of calling him the chosen one and taking him to the portal to Niara's realm, that really was a great deal of awesome humor and I found myself chuckling and I think you all will as well because Ben just thinks this is also some sort of a game like the ones he creates in his journals and no that's not a spoiler um or anything <laughs> but because he's supposed to be going to this convention with his friends or I guess in his mind at that time like supposed friends but now all this is happening it must be fake or I guess it yeah, was that was that was sorry. That didn't mean to interrupt. Uh, but, but that was an interesting part for us to work on because we were we had, we had to go back and forth about when does he start to really realize yeah. that things are going differently. Like you said, he's going to a convention with his friends, and there's a lot of you know cosplay, dressing up. There's a lot of role playing. They take it very seriously. So, at what point does someone realize, oh, this is not just a a game or or a, an act of theater, or is this? something more than that and so we come, we we went back and forth with when he discovers that it's actually real yeah and i honestly i probably if i was in that situation i wouldn't think it was real even if i was in the world after the portal because i mean you can get woozy like ben did from like virtual reality you're putting a headset on mm -hmm. like until you sleep that when when you go to sleep in that world and wake up in it the next day i personally would just think it's still a game a continuous game that kind of feels never ending but like mm -hmm. it can't be real that's interesting the sleeping part that's something i should think about for the next time 
we bring out we bring a new person through a portal into the other world because i agree with you i think that's when you wake up someplace then you you sort of have those fresh eyes yeah well my next question for you is about your world beyond just writing books whether it be young adult or middle grade stories so mm -hmm. i read that along with writing books you're also a video game developer and you have been for over 15 years and being a video game developer sounds amazing and i'm a pretty big gamer myself i play quite a few different video games i don't know if they're the same as the ones that you develop and i'm also really curious you so you develop games but do you also play them yourself i do i do i i was lucky enough to um to grow up when video gaming was really becoming part of mainstream culture um, and becoming part of people's living rooms and and doing things with your family and friends. So um, I got hooked on them really early. And I mean, at the same time, I was also a big gamer when it comes to board games and, and, and role playing games. So I was already excited about uh, those uh, those franchises and, and those different titles and things that my friends and I would would play and uh, we would think about and make our own, but then video games came along, and it's funny because at that point, video games were only were made by very small teams of people, and they kind of did everything, mm -hmm. and they were mostly programmers who sometimes they would do writing and art, but they would kind of wear a lot of hats, and so I never thought I would be able to work in that business because I am not somebody who's really great uh, with computers or with technology and math, um, so uh, I didn't think it would be a future for me at all. But um, like with books, it's something I did want to do um, mm -hmm. once I saw that the stories were could be really compelling and exciting and, and express something real about human emotion, the human experience. Um, so yes, to answer your question, I've been playing them all my life. I still do. I still play a mixture of board games and video games. And that's kind of what I spend a lot of my free time doing is, is thinking about um, what I'm going to play next and trying to find time to do it. So um, yeah. it's been a big part of my life. Well, that's awesome. And I really like what you said about how there wasn't how you really realized you could help create these games when you saw like human emotion in the games, which mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense. Like the earlier video games like Pac-Man or Atari, all the games made by Atari or Galaga, Space Invaders, they were just, I guess, robots or kind of creatures <laughs> on a screen, I guess. you could right, say. Right. But it wasn't until there were games that really kind of dug deep into like humanity I mean, they're video games. They're not that deep. Right. But like, I mean, you could you could talk about a game like Halo or even possibly like the Mario games from around the early like to late '90s or the 2000s that kind of really could get you excited and feel like you could create these games. Mm -hmm. They had a lot of um games too that they started introducing that were games that allow you to make games. I think oh, Little cool. Big Planet was one. Like, there's the Mario builder game I can't remember if that's what it's called but Mario Maker where you make your own levels so people could start experimenting and trying to like make games for, make levels for their friends and then with the internet a lot of people are able to post games or levels or mods for other people to download and then try mm -hmm. so it really gave players the, the ability to kind of become designers and I think that's been a really exciting thing that's happened um, for people to experiment with that idea yeah absolutely and my next question for you is when creating video game worlds, you have to use creativity, versatility, and the ability to capture players' imaginations, much like you do writing stories. 
So what would you say the biggest difference is when coming up with stories for games versus books like middle grade or YA? Mm -hmm. Um, I would say the two biggest things, the two big, biggest differences when it comes to writing and, and creating for games and books is that um, when you work on video games, most of the time, even if it's a small independent game, you have to work, you have to be really good at working with other people. Mm -hmm. um, it's very collaborative. It's very um, something where you have to not have an ego, where you share the creativity with other people and everybody has ideas. So you have to learn to I mean, I guess for lack of a better phrase, have a thick skin and be able to get used to the idea of, you know, you're not always going to get your way, which when you're writing a book, most of the time you, you're the voice, you're the creator. And mm -hmm. with the exception of like an editor and an, an editor team or who works with you on the book, I mean, it's you, it's your story that you're telling. Um, and so you have to learn to be okay working with a team of people who are all working on the story from different angles. Um, and the other thing that is key to making games is the interactivity of, of games, is the fact that the story that you're telling is ultimately going to be the story the player is experiencing, as opposed mm -hmm. to the story that you've written that has uh, a beginning and an end, the characters are set, their journeys are set, it's on rails, as they would say in video games. And uh, with a video game, you really want to give the player the tools to have an experience that is unique to them. Even if there's a character they're playing, you want them to come away with something they can say, oh my gosh, I was playing Halo or I was playing Mario and this happened and this happened and whoa, it was wild. And someone else says, oh, I played that too. And this is what happened to me. And it's different. You can kind of talk mm -hmm. about it. Um, yeah. And I think that's a really cool part of it. I mean, I, I do, I also write interactive fiction, which is a very kind of simpler, um, more accessible way to create stories with with gaming elements where it, it feels like you're reading a book but you also have moments where the player has agency is what we call it and has the ability to make decisions that affect the story and that even something as simple as that um changes the whole way you experience the story absolutely that's a great point what you said about interactivity because i mean people can read books and take away different themes or emotions or think like tidbits about the characters that others might not but with video games, it's an entirely different story because you have characters you pick, like you said, and you kind of travel on this adventure, but it's not set for you. The choices mm -hmm. that you make greatly affect how the story will play out, which is really interesting and a kind of big difference between video games and books. But in reality, the two are kind of not that different. Yeah, it's a really fun part about it because you, mm. you never know what a player is going to do. So sometimes you hear stories about games that you worked on where pe people do things you never would have guessed and yeah. it's, it's so exciting to see them using their creativity and trying new things it's, it's pretty fun and i also just want to clarify i do not play halo um, because i'm not allowed to play shooting games so yeah i don't play shooting games either actually yeah. so. I, I just stick to the like minecraft or those sort of games which are so creative and cool like yeah absolutely. Wish they had, had minecraft when i was younger because just um watching what people can do in that is great but I, i'm with you I, like i i play certain games but certain games i don't play for my own yeah. you know, for reasons mm -hmm. definitely and while doing some research i uncovered some books that you've written for a more ya audience a while back so why mm -hmm. did you decide to move to middle grade and if you don't mind me asking there was a big gap there is a big gap between the last book you wrote and spellbinders so what led to that big gap in years between your most recent book and your other stories um, 
a lot of that was uh, I was right in the middle of working on some big video game projects where I was um, sort of in charge of a group of people and, uh, you know, big assignments as part of a, a big video game project. So that was a big chunk of that was that my video game career was was kind of evolving and changing and I, I needed kind of all my wits and my creativity to to work on those. Um, the other thing too, uh, I think at the same time that was happening with me as a writer was that I'd written three YA books, which I really love. And I think, you know, uh, some readers still think of very fondly. Um, this is around 2005 through 10. Um, but then I wrote a middle grade book. Um, I collaborated on it with um, a film director named David O. Russell. And it was a lot of fun. It was uh, kind of exactly where I wanted to be, the sweet spot of what I think I do well, which is kind of, uh, you know, heartfelt stories that feel real, but at the same time, they have a lot of silliness and a lot of goofiness and kind of action. And um, they're both, uh, I would say, like kind of like mainstream fun stories, but they also have like a, a core of, of truth to them. Um, so Alienated, which was a problem, uh, a, a book I didn't know I was going to be working on, made me go, oh, like, I love middle grade. This is really where I want to be. Um, and right when that happened, I then got into this video game project, which took a long time. And I moved to a different town and a bunch of stuff happened. But um, Spellbinders is coming along at the perfect time. Like I feel um, I'm having a lot of fun. Um, I think that the the kind of the way we can interact with audiences and, and engage with people who are reading the book is so different and so much more fun now and more interesting. And um, I'm really glad to be doing this book now. I mean, I think the 10 years taught me a lot. Yeah, definitely. And the middle grade, I guess middle grade has become like, I guess you could call it kind of like the sweet spot at the moment, at least for readers <laughs> like me, because there are so many different kinds of middle grade books coming out right now. Right. It's not just stick to like one genre, like realistic fiction or fantasy, which I love those genres, but I love seeing all the variety in middle grade, how you can throw all these characters who are like similar ages to the readers and put them in situations that might be real, might not be real, but they still feel real as well. Yeah, I think that middle grade is definitely is like you said, you said it, you hit it right on the head. It's the sweet spot. And it's it's where the most exciting things are happening, I think, mm -hmm. in children's literature is is the most interesting, diverse voices are in middle grade the biggest swings when it comes to trying experimental uh you know structures or voices is all there i think it's just a really exciting time to be working in that space and i'm learning a ton from i'm reading all these authors that i'm like both talking to but then also just hearing about and uh there's just really amazing stuff happening so i'm excited to be kind of in there somewhere yeah. <laughs> right right and i love seeing I've gone to a couple bookstores and libraries in my area, but I was also just in New York City, and I saw Spellbinders there, and it just warms oh, my heart so cool. seeing your stories and the stories of many other creators and authors out there in the world for kids to discover and like kind of find their new favorite read. Now let's talk more about your newest book, Spellbinders, The Not-So-Chosen One, which is a truly a coming of age middle grade book at its finest. From the world you create to the characters as well, we all come to know and love your protagonists and your writing style, it doesn't just engage readers, but immerses them into the story, kind of yeah. like a video game. And you're pretty experienced at that too. So Thank do you. you think 
your work building worlds and crafting video games has helped you with storytelling through the written word as well? I'd like to think so. I'd like to think that um, the world building part, which is something I've always struggled with, um, it, it has gotten better just mm -hmm. because I've had to do it, a lot of what I do is world building. Um, it's working with a team of people to come up with the basic foundational pieces of a setting or a, a magic system or yeah. a planet. It really depends mm -hmm. on what kind of what game you're making, but that stuff becomes, um, it becomes the foundation on which everyone else who's working on the game kind of builds. You kind of have to have that before you build out the, the art, right. Or the, mm -hmm. the physics of the game, like a lot of that really depends on the, the world that you've created. And so that's something I'd like to think I've gotten better at. There's still, I mean, I still have a plenty uh, so many weaknesses as a writer, but it's the thing I like to, to feel like I'm learning about and, and, and improving at is uh, a world that has its own logic and that makes sense to people who are reading. It doesn't tell you everything. Like, I don't want you to know every single thing about every single aspect of the world, yeah. but I want it when you're reading the story, you don't ask a lot of questions like, well, why doesn't this happen? Or what's the deal with this? If you can read it and enjoy it and feel like you're there and it makes sense, that's what I really want to do. And then I've always been a character writer. So the character part to me is usually the thing I feel most comfortable doing. So I, I'm thinking that, um, I'm hoping that the world building and the character work are fitting together pretty well. Through all of the perils of his journey, Ben comes to ex love and accept himself, which was so, so heartwarming. And I know that you said you love creating, you are adding heartwarming themes to crafty and humorous worlds as well so do you think that you would dedicate you dedicate this book to all the misfits out there um i i i would say yes i all of my books are about misfits um i don't know how everybody people define misfit differently and i know that that uh moniker has probably changed over the last few decades since mm -hmm. i was a young person reading middle grade books um but most of my stories involve people who are on the outside looking in and trying to figure out where their place is in the world. Um, and for me, when I was growing up, games, um, board games, role-playing games, things like that, were definitely like a place where people who didn't feel like they fit in the mainstream, I guess you'd say, sort of flocked to these places where they could have some kind of control over their lives, could write their own stories, could be the heroes of their own stories, because maybe they weren't the hero of, their, of, of the story at school, or maybe with their friends, they were sort of like the, the side character and they wanted to be the hero. And um, back then it was definitely kind of a, a place for misfits. And I think that as games have become more popular with a lot of different people and you have everyone has them on their phone and what a game is has changed, what that definition is, I think that um, maybe gamers aren't misfits as much anymore, but there's always going to be people who feel like they're on the outside, right? Who feel like they don't belong and they're trying to find a place where they do belong. And and Ben is just, I think, one character in a long, long line of characters who's doing that. And my 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 books um, always tend to deal with that because I felt like that as a kid. And um, and I would read books like X Men and stuff where it's, you know, these little families of people who come together and find a place that they can call home uh, and were really important uh, to each other. And I think that those things rubbed off on me. So I, I love the idea of found family. And I love the idea of outsiders finding a safe place. I love that answer. And while you said, 
I agree. Gamers aren't necessarily misfits in certain circumstances anymore. I, there are so many people who feel like outsiders, kind of like Ben, that everybody assumed and felt like Ben was the chosen one to save this world. But mm-hmm. Ben kind of had, he didn't think that he was. And really, he wasn't necessarily the chosen one, but he just kind of had some kind of kindness in him and authenticity that kind of i mean of course he didn't save the world just yet because there are going to be more books coming and you are working on book two and so let's get to that because i am so so excited to read spellbinders book two and you mentioned on twitter or i guess it's x now yeah i'm not sure what you're supposed to call it these days me neither i'm i'm the same (laughs) as you feels wrong to call it x now it just ha- feels weird yeah it does so you you mentioned that you finished the copy edits for spellbinders book two and you also have had sneak peeks of your upcoming cover and we're going to talk more about this cover later because it is whew, chef's kiss awesome <laughs> and so glad to hear that yeah. so can you talk a bit about what readers can expect from book two will you be adding any new characters maybe mm. main or side characters and just a little bit more about the story but please don't give any spoilers because I want to read this cover to cover and not know I want to know something but I don't want to know everything okay yeah that's I would love to do that um so I guess a a quick sort of tease about book two is that um like like you do with a lot of kind of book twos in the series I'm, I'm expanding the world a bit Mm-hmm. Um, so in the first book, we have the Kingdom of Lux, which is where most of the action takes place. But as you mentioned before, there is a place where there are portals to other realms, and that will come into play quite a bit um, as a new threat emerges, a, a larger overarching threat to the whole universe of realms, which is Lux is a part of, and, and Earth is, there are many other that we have yet to be introduced to. That will come into play. Um, as well as Ben's um, outlook on his own life when the question he asks himself in the next book is, if I am the one person uh, in a group, if I have to have a book in order to be extraordinary, but everyone else around me is extraordinary on their own, how extraordinary can I really be? Um, And can I keep up with people who are all special and gifted and unique um, his best friends, his three best friends, Niara, Merv, and Drake, are all exceptional characters and people from other realms. And he is still an Earthling, but now he's kind of part of the group. And keeping up is a, is something that he finds challenging, and he wants to make sure he's pulling his weight. So um, that's a big challenge for him now that he's found friends, is trying to, to keep up with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, there's a, a new big bad that emerges, and there is a great new character that I absolutely love, who jo- who kind of enters the picture and becomes part of their group uh and and it just sets up things to come in a really exciting way so it's it's gonna be fun Uh, a lot of laughs and a lot of action my next question for you is about it's more about your characters so your characters ben niara drake they're all so different from each other but they fit together perfectly like pieces of a puzzle. So I'm curious, 
curious to know do you tend to take parts of yourself and put them in the characters you write mm. is that why without one another the characters can't really complete their mission they have to be together they can't be whole without each other that's interesting um there are definitely is, are, are elements to that that are true and i think um for me a big part of this this series was trying to take certain things about certain tropes and ideas about games and kind of work them into a story mm -hmm. that was a, a real person's story, a person who sees the world through the lens of games. Um, and I think the four main characters are less about aspect, they're less parts of me than they are there to represent the parts of like a, an, an adventuring party where you tackle things as a group and everybody brings something to the table when you uh, take on an obstacle or a challenge. And that as a team is the, the only way to overcome an obstacle is as a team and you can't do it on your own. So I think that's where the structure of that group came about. Um, but then also, you know, just as from a writing point of view, it was a lot of fun to create four different characters who each had their own journey, each had their own voices and perspective on what was happening in the world. And then to put them in little situations where pairs of them would get a chance to talk and, and kind of like have these fun little interactions with humor and um, when they would get to know each other and uh, try those different conversations, which, you know, as a writer brought me a lot of joy. And I think that they're some of the best parts of the book is when you get different groups of the characters spending time together and getting to know one another. Absolutely. That's a great answer. And my next question for you is about like I said earlier, we're gonna talk. Let's talk about the cover art and not just the cover art, but also the art and the designs inside yeah. of the story, like the journal entries that mm -hmm. Ben and the journal that he writes into. So, how did you, or maybe your publisher, editor, or agent, track down such a fabulous artist for the job? And did you have any say in the design? Um, I. I did have a, so the I, the design of the book was one of the earliest ideas I had. And that's one of the things I, I pitched it to my, to my agents. Um, the idea of doing a book that was, that had elements of dungeon manuals in it, like the artwork and the the little graphical elements. That was something I wanted to do. I pitched it to my agents back in like 2013, 2014 and said, I want to do a book series like this with, you know, it's written as though it's a dungeon manual, but it's like a real, real world kind of thing. Um, that project didn't get off the ground until Spellbinders came about and during the pandemic, like 2020. Um, and so that right away, that was something we knew we wanted to do. And I don't know how um, the the designers at, at Penguin Random House found Lisa Weber. Um, I know that they're ninjas, so they do like, they do their job really well and they can know exactly where to find the right people. But we talked a lot about it. Um, you know, what kind of style we wanted the art, the illustrations inside to be, you know, how realistic, how kind of fun and fantastical. And they would bring samples to, you know, they would send us samples of different people. And they found uh, Lisa Weber pretty early and said, you know, here are some other covers she's done. Here's her own comic book. She does web comics and, and she publishes Ooh. print comics. And yeah, she's done a lot of amazing work. She's incredibly talented. And, uh, we saw a lot like the range she has a huge range of types of styles and it just looked like a really good fit and even though 
and I haven't had a lot of contact. I mean, she's been so incredible about creating kind of what I see in my head and, and making it real in the illustrations. So I feel extremely like blessed that, that she's been working on the series with me. Um, it's been, yeah, it's been amazing to see, see my ideas kind of come to life, but also in like brand new ways that she's interpreted in her own way, which has been exciting. This is the final question of the interview. The question I've asked every person that I've ever interviewed. If you could be or meet any literary character, you could meet your favorite author or it could be your favorite oh. character in a work of middle grade or YA or even an adult book. So they could be fictional or they could be real. Yeah. Who would it be and why? That, that's like my attempt at a drum roll. <laughs> that's a really hard one because there's so many, right? There's so yeah, many. Absolutely. Both real and fictional and authors and characters. The one that came to mind, and it's funny because I, I, I look at this question. This is an interesting question. I look at this question. It could be like Ben would look at it, right? And say, oh, well, I want to be a really powerful character or some like regal person who's got a lot of, you know, confidence and power and yeah. has the world at his feet. Or I could be, um, or I could meet somebody who I think is interesting. And uh, an interesting one popped into my head. One was more, it was more about um, the, the world building of this series that I liked a lot. And there's a series called The Last Apprentice by Joseph what? Delaney. Oh, cool. I haven't, I haven't, I think I've heard of it. It's, it's kind of a, it's kind of a, it's sort of horror. It's definitely like kind of a scary supernatural thing. And it feels, it feels like historical fiction because it does a great job of building a world that's, that's, um, you know, several centuries ago in England, but it's also not the real world. It's got a lot of its own like lore and, and kind of background, but it's very well done. It's very scary and creepy. And the main character is a, and a young apprentice who's the last apprentice of these these um monster hunters called spooks oh, and his cool. name is tom ward and he is a kid that grows throughout the series the, the series is like 12 or 13 books long and by the end he's like a young man and he starts he's very he's he's a kid and um and, and there are parts of the book where he writes his own notes as a, as a kid learning as an apprentice to somebody who's a master he writes his notes on like how to how to take care of certain monsters and how to do things right and there's a lot of little elements of that that made its way into spellbinders and i think that just spending a day in that world as scary as it is would be really cool to sort of see yeah. a world that felt real but also felt very supernatural and magical in a way that's believable so mm -hmm. i don't know why i'd want to be in a book that's scary <laughs> but it's it's a it's a great it's a great series and i i, I learned a lot from his his writing so well that's definitely a series i'll have to add to my want to read um list and yeah, everybody let us give a wholehearted round of applause for the one and only andrew ozion your answers were incredible thought-provoking and fan just fantastic oh, and thank you Adrian. if you've already read spellbinders and also chosen one then you'll already know why i've been so thrilled to have andrew on my show and if you've not yet read Andrew's book, what are you doing? Get off this podcast and order <laughs> your copy for yourself. I'm, I'm, I'm joking. You don't, don't get off just yet because I got a little bit more to talk about. So, Andrew, thank you so, so much for joining me today. It's been an honor and a privilege to have you on because you're a really, really great guy and your stories are some of my favorites. Oh, thank you, Etrain. The the pleasure and uh, the the honor are all mine. So thank you very much, and your your words mean quite a bit to me. So 
Oh, uh, it's been great to be here and to talk with you about this book. I, I like that you that you enjoyed it. Thank you.